0: Welcome to the Podiatry Profits Podcast, where you will discover how to get more patients and multiply the profits of your practice with minimally invasive foot surgery, proven marketing systems, and ethical influencing to your patients. And now, your host, board-certified podiatrist, best-selling author, speaker, and founder of TJ On Coaching and Consulting, Dr. TJ Ahn.
1: Hello, this is Dr. TJ Ahn. Welcome to this episode. This episode is kind of special because I was invited to speak at another podcast show um, run by James, I'm sorry, Ryan James Miller. So Ryan has a great podcast called Excellence Mindset. You you might find this interesting. I talk about some story like background of me, how I ended up coming to united states with little english um, no family members just came uh, to for the better future for me and better vision uh, all the way from south korea when i was 19 years old and also i talk about my book opt out and why i wrote that book and what's the story behind it what's the vision behind it and You know, when it comes to, which I talk about a lot in my other episodes, that foundation of success is mindset. You know, no matter what you learn, tactics, strategies, in a way without core mindset shift is kind of gimmick. All the things that you do, you may not reach or achieve the results and goals that you want to achieve without proper mindset shift. So I thought, you know, this interview with Ryan will be also great for my audience here in our uh, podcast show here. Check Ryan James Miller's podcast. You'll find a lot of different guests there talking about mindset. So I think it'll be good, you know, for you to listen to some shows completely outside the box, but it is not really. I mean, it really helps you see uh, many intelligent people, smart people, creative people, successful people, how their mind works. Makes sense? Without further ado, enjoy this show. Don't forget to subscribe my podcast and give me thumbs up. And also, if you don't mind, if you find this podcast helpful for you please give me some good reviews uh, because you know that helps and uh, helps my show grow and because you know my goal is simple to help other podiatrists become successful thrive and survive through tough times
2: all right. Well, welcome everybody to the podcast. Looking forward to today's conversation with Dr. T.J. Ahn. Uh, he is by practice a, a podiatrist in the Chicago area. Uh, but beyond that, uh, he has a passion for building businesses. He's an entrepreneur. He's a coach. Uh, he consults other physicians uh, that desire to do the same thing, which is really break away uh, from uh, the large uh, practices uh, that are out there in healthcare today and help them to take their businesses private. And uh, as you know, uh, being a part of the audience here, I uh, have a huge passion for healthcare and I uh, really believe in private practice and been supporting a lot of direct primary care providers and things of that nature. And so I'm really looking forward to digging in today. So Dr. An, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I've, I've checked out your podcast. You bring very interesting guests and I'm, I'm honored to be here.
2: Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. So, um, I, I want to jump around a bit, but I'm interested to hear. So, I read in your bio that uh, at 19, uh, you immigrated here from Korea. And so, what what was that? What was what was the desire to come to America? Um, and and what did you do when you got here?
1: Well, Korea it's smaller than especially south korea where i'm from is smaller than one state of united states right mm. but it's a whole country and it's so congested in seoul capital of south korea mm. when i was growing up korea was still under development and we went through a lot of economic hardship um, turmoil of political uh, kind of outbreak you know like military dictatorship and then fought for democracy. Um, so it was kind of crazy time, you know, when I was growing up and felt very confined, Mm. you know, one of those, I know you, you're focusing on also mindset. I, I couldn't almost like I couldn't breathe, you know, Mm. I felt like I, I was suffocating, um, Obviously, Asian culture, you know, in kind of typical sense, parents want to control kids, right? Their future, their school, their education. So that I couldn't handle when I was growing up like in teenager. But then whole society, it was just, uh, for me, it's, it's, it's suffocating. So since I was 14, I was telling myself without knowing any mindset, you know, I was telling myself every day, I'm going to America. For some reason, I'm going to America, like every single day. And I even went to very small used bookstore, like small corner of Korea, uh, Seoul, downtown. They sell used foreign magazines. And then I remember I got GQ. (laughs) I was 14. Um, The GQ magazine kind of all used and worn out i I remember the like ads in there and and I was thinking and telling myself I'm going to America i'm going to I just need to go to bigger country I need to breathe i I need to uh, open up myself to um, kind of felt like it's more bigger opportunity so nineteen years old, I had the opportunity um i just I felt like I was getting out of exodus you know wow. I felt that good I didn't uh, so anyway that was. December 30 to the 1990 wow. in the United States by myself.
2: Yeah. Wow. You know, it, it's, it's, it's very interesting to me. And, you know, this is um, somewhat of an ignorant statement because I was born and raised in the United States, but um, you know, in, in much of the Asian culture, I think that uh, we, you know, they get a bad rap for being, um, Overly burdensome on uh, you know on their families on their children on the society and really uh, pushing them hard to perform to work hard you know uh, to be smart and yet um, I have so much respect uh, because while that always hasn't been used for the best and you know for the best outcomes I do feel like man it it does breed or create this culture that does desire to achieve excellence. You know, I mean, you are just, you're born into a society that is like give it your all and and, and do well or don't even bother kind of thing. So I really respect that. And I feel like um, that's not recognized enough um, everywhere else around the world. And then too, I think you get the short end of the stick because especially in today's day and age, North Korea is always the one in the news and that's just a terrible uh, mess uh, if we've ever seen one up there and so then South Korea is all but forgotten <laughs> about. Yeah. So, um, okay so you come here in 1990 and at what point did you decide you wanted to practice medicine because 19 years old I assume you got you're gonna go to college and so what was the desire to practice medicine?
1: Um- you know, again, naturally, I believe now I look back, I am an entrepreneur at heart, right? Mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted to do my own thing. I don't want to be told by anyone. I don't want to work for somebody. Um, you know, then for me, the America was the perfect um, per- perfect ground um, for that. And uh, I decided to go for computer science first. So um, I, I wanted to program, you know, back in the days, 1990s, internet has not even come out yet, uh, but you know, PC world, right? Like a Microsoft, Apple, and then like computer virus just start coming out. And that kind of fascinated me. Like there's a people who make virus and there's a people who kill virus. Um, So I wanted to study computer science and, you know, get into programming world. And then while I was doing it, I was interested in business side of it. So I added a business major as a double major. Um, And then after I graduated, I went to even Japan. Again, I'd love to explore. I love to experiment um, myself. That's my personality. So I read a lot of books, but I wanted to experience me myself in it. so I went to Japan for a year and a half. During those times, I you know I, I started while well, practicing uh, Japanese martial arts, Aikido. and I went to Japan headquarters of Aikido, so I can learn from the masters directly and also work. So I did that. However, my mother's side—they were healthcare professional. My mom was a doctor. My mom's father was a doctor. So again, they tried to control me since I was a kid. You gotta be a doctor. You gotta be so that kind of made me repel from that idea and go to computer science and business. But then suddenly I realized, okay, I, you know, maybe parents were right. You know, I, maybe I I I love helping people. Um, so that's why I came back to United States um and did a biochem and look at looked into different specialties, you know. But my time already, my age, I was like twenty-six um at the time. And podiatrist, I visited local podiatrists there, they were having fun. They're, you know, um not typical doctors like who are on call all the time. They have their own private practice. And then you know they create their own schedule. They get paid well, and helping people again—not not like hardcore, you know, heart surgery or anything. So that's why I came. I went into podiatry school. Okay, and so
2: uh, okay, so this is starting to make a whole lot more sense. Which this mm. is the stuff that um, I don't get to read in a bio, but you know, uh, now as I fast forward all the way to today, which we're going to go back and talk some more about the past, but as I fast forward all the way to today and read that you've had the successful practice for all these years as a private practice, which most doctors don't survive when they go private, you've written a best-selling book, you're speaking at conferences, you're consulting other businesses. So now it makes sense because, you know, most Uh, I will say practitioners or, and even creatives, artists. So whether you're a doctor, you could be a lawyer, even uh, a musician, the challenge always when they start a business is that they're in it for their craft, but they don't have business acumen. And so that's why so many, I'll just go right to the doctors. That's why so many doctors fail is because they don't have an understanding of business and you by no coincidence at all, just happened to go into business first. And so then when you get into practice for yourself, you already understand the business mechanics. So that must have just been a huge leg up for you because you could actually understand what your business needed to look like in order to be healthy apart from just working on people's feet,
1: right? Right, correct. Yeah, I I mean, obviously theory and, you know, books as a major in business Um, It it definitely did help. So I wasn't like, it wasn't completely foreign to me. But once I started actually applying those Mm. to healthcare industry, obviously there's, there are a lot of gaps. So I had to still invest myself in, you know, modern technology, you know, modern application of business side, finance side, uh, you know, so I still need to, I still needed to learn a lot. Uh-huh. You know, took a lot of courses, mastermind groups, et cetera. But you are absolutely, you are right that most doctors, you know, they're technicians like Danny E-Myth, right? That book. Um, they they are good at, good at helping people or fixing people. But when it com- comes to business side, like revenue, expense, profit, you know, cash flow or marketing, that's a big thing. Definitely doctors are lacking off.
2: Yeah. Okay, so you get into business in the early 2000s or you you start your own practice in the early 2000s. And so over the course of the last 17 years, Healthcare has drastically changed and really at the center of that, and no matter wh- where whether you believe it was right or wrong, was the implementation of the Affordable Care Act in 2010. And so that really changed the way that doctors were getting paid, that, treat, that patients were able to access care. And so... I would assume that for the first seven years of your practice from 2003 to 2010 is you were growing, you were building, you were kind of, you know, you were taking lots of referrals uh, from inside health insurance. You were getting reimbursed by the health you know, health insurance companies from the majority of your, uh, for the majority of your cases. So you were working hard to build the practice, but you didn't have to fight hard necessarily to get paid fairly for what you were doing.
1: Correct. And then yeah.
2: the Affordable Care Act happens, and all of a sudden the world changes, right? Because there are so many more uh, uh, challenges that you now face in just trying to get uh, reimbursed at all, never mind reimbursed fairly for what you were doing. So, what did that pivot start to look like for you from practicing in an environment where you kind of just get to collect almost what you ask for? I, I'm, I'm being a little bit generous there with that statement, but. You got to collect what you what you required for you know for payment um, and you could kind of practice as you needed to and now you're facing all of these challenges so what did you have to do to make that pivot so you could become financially independent and not need the insurance companies to continue to be successful
1: right so 2008 around that time that was a pivot that it's starting to happen you know Mm -hmm. affordable care affordable care act by again theory it is, is great. it's ideal so we provide more health care to you know throughout people in a way like socialized medicine, right? So um, it it can um, provide health care to everybody. However, there's definitely uh, shortcomings and difficulties in 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 United States, this particular country. By the way, South Korea is, is like the perfect example of success, success of affordable care. So, mm. but again, there's different environment. You know, we have much less people than United States. And then there are other reasons that it worked for certain countries and America tried. However, problem is it, it, it just didn't work. Um, mm. For doctor standpoint, the reimbursement, it just kept going down 20% to 30% cut every year. Okay, so if doctors are suffering from a reimbursement, that's the one problem. But now patient side who works hard every day, you know, to, to bring food on the table for their family. Now, If it's affordable care, it should be affordable for patients, but patients' deductible and insurance premium and coinsurance, it went up. It's still going up every year. So if you're not a doctor and if you're listening to this, and then if you're paying for healthcare insurance, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now it's like typical husband and wife and two kids, good uh private insurance plan is like fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars a month. Yep. Um, but then deductible, which means that you still have to pay out of pocket, is like three thousand to five thousand dollars a year. Almost not worth having it. Just like right. You know, is you know I'm actually, um, I'm I'm revealing this. I don't even have that insurance anymore. You know because I feel like it's a waste of money. Yep. um I have what they call catastrophic catastrophic insurance now so it's more for major accident major like heart problem or cancer yep. or you hospitalization I pay otherwise I don't want to keep paying two three thousand dollars a month and then having five thousand dollars deductible so I actually opted out of insurance plan myself and I'm just paying cash for most typical specialized specialist visits. And then just have insurance for major, you know, big accident or incident reason.
2: Yep. Yep. No, absolutely. You know, and, and again, you face an even greater challenge uh, being a podiatrist because um, you are, you, you know, you don't face that many urgent cases, right? It's not like people are coming into you for emergency needs. And so then, and I know this, and, and many people that follow me on social media, I shared a lot of this story. Actually, almost a year ago to today, I had a large foot surgery where I had a hammer toe and a bunion, and it had been causing me discomfort for years. Well, by insurance standards, that was not covered under insurance. That was elective because it wasn't doing any, you know, complete detriment to my body. So if I had insurance, I would have paid completely out of pocket. Thank the Lord I did not have insurance and uh, I'm in a medical cost sharing program that allows us to share those costs because that was $17,000 by the time all was said and done for me to have both of those procedures done, anesthesia, surgery center, all that stuff. And so again, for you, Here you come where you used to get those types of things reimbursed reasonably easily. Then they kept getting cut and cut and cut and cut and cut as every other reimbursement, including Medicare, was getting cut so far. And so how did you start to pivot then to replace that income or start generating new sources of income when you started seeing your revenue in the practice? It had to be going down and quite drastically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I physically saw that money going down, but most doctors, by the way, average uh, student loan, medical school loan uh, that is two 250,000, right? Um, so we need to pay bills. We need to pay for mortgage. We need to pay for our family and you know, but anyway, my point is that revenue going down, and then- okay,
2: wait, so can you stop there? I, I don't I, I don't want to be disrespectful, but this is a really important thing for me to say because I'm not in your field, but I observe enough of it to, to make this statement. I think right now, especially in America, and now healthcare is at the top of the conversation because we're in the midst of the coronavirus and we're seeing an overutilization of services. And so I feel like the doctors are too often lumped into and other, you know, uh, nurses, they're, off, they're too often lumped into this problem that we have in healthcare, which, you know, we know that there's this misalignment of entities, the insurance companies, the providers, uh, the pharmaceutical companies, uh, and then whoever the the sponsor is for the health plan. So we know there's a misalignment. But the problem is, is no, at the end of the day, regardless of how we've seen the fluctuation in costs, the insurance company continues to make more money, no matter what. Like they're they're reporting record profits, and yeah. so if they're continuing to get paid, their money no matter even though like they're reimbursing less to you, that means we aren't lining your pocket, the doctor. We're lining the insurance company's pockets, and it's not that they're always the bad guy because there are needs in which the insurance companies come in handy. But I just think people need to know and be clear with the fact that the doctors really don't have much handle in this. Like you don't get like, yes, you can charge 10 times as much as you, you would like for your, you know, for a service, but, you're only gonna get reimbursed what the insurance company wants to pay you. And so like, I I just feel like people need to hear that the doctors, they're actually suffering through this too because you're probably making less per patient than you ever have, which means you have to see more patients, you have to get creative with your services. And like you said, you have a family to support, you have bills, you have student loans, like there's so many things. And I just don't think we have enough empathy for the way the doctors have paid the price, especially private practice doctors have paid the price through this so anyway thanks for, I just yeah, to th-
1: to thanks for acknowledging that i mean doctors are humans so let's not forget just what you pointed out a lot of times nowadays modern world society you know we tend to um kind of lump some into commodity right mm-hmm. so like doctors are just a part of healthcare healthcare system but we are human beings and you know we have our, our uh, responsibilities and, uh, you know, errands to run every day, uh, just like anybody else. Yep. So um, with that environment, I felt like, you know, kind of going back to that story, I was suffocating again from mm-hmm. pressure from government, pressure from the big dogs and big brothers, which I cannot handle. You know, I don't like. I don't mm-hmm. like to be handled. I don't like to be controlled. I came here for free spirit and, you know, like, you know, the America, right? Free country. And then now I feel like someone's trying to control me every day now, mm-hmm. even to my, my work and my personal life. I felt like, okay, so that's the point. 2014, um 2014, I made a, well, I was just like you said, I had to see more patients volume and obviously quality of care per patient has to suffer because I had to see more patients in limited time and, you know, uh, expenses going up, uh, reimbursement is not catching up the inflation rate. So I decided to, that's the moment I decided to opt out. So that's why, I, you know, I wrote a book called opt out. Um, meaning sometimes, you know, you need to fight, right. When you get, get into face the obstacles and struggles, we need to fight through. But if if I cannot fight against big insurance giants and government, we need to develop our own way to, to thrive. So for me, my conclusion was I'm going to slowly, gradually opt out of insurance plans and increase patient quality care, niche myself, uh, differentiate myself to be uh good enough, different enough that a e- patient can make choice instead of going to insurance based physician or specialist, mm. they, dis- they can come to me by their own choice. So I provide, you know, higher level, better level than what they typically, now patients become like commodity too, you know, uh, like big HMO network or big insurance network, uh, you know, everything has to be referral based before they see a specialist if you have a painful bunion and hammer tool, like you told me, and you had to see a regular primary care doctor, six weeks later you barely get an appointment just to see a, you know, insurance-based specialist. And from that, if even if you need a surgical treatment, you have to wait months to wow. get your, you know, order. So that was about my time, and that's how I kind of decide to. On my own again, so I can breathe again. You know, just mm. like I left South Korea when I was nineteen.
2: It's interesting how things continue to repeat themselves in our lives,
1: you know? isn't it? Yeah.
2: So okay, so I I heard a, a really good uh, a bit of wisdom that you shared there when you said that you slowly began to opt out, and I like that because. I'm speaking to a lot of doctors now through my networks that are fed up with working for the big hospital systems. They're being run ragged. They are, they feel like they're just stuck. And, and, and I think part of the reason they feel so stuck is because they feel like, I either I have to cut it all cut it all off at once or I, I just have to stay here forever. So if a doctor that was working for a large hospital system came to you and said, gosh, you know, I, I would really like to follow your path, but I don't know what to do. And so, you know, what, what are some of the first steps that you would share with somebody like that because they don't get to control, like, you know, they're, they're just taking a paycheck basically. And so are are there some steps that you give to them?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So not because this is mindset based, but I think mindset is everything, right? So mindset is the most important thing when I help doctors, doctors transform. However, it's kind of unfortunate that when we talk about mindset first it's not like immediate results or outcome that they can see or take home with. Mm. So I, I tried to go with the mindset first. Um, but that's the key lesson for maybe people who are not doctors, you know, online marketing world or a business world that I'm sure you've heard or read this. Um, it has to be, we have to provide them uh, what they want, right? Not necessarily what they need, mm. but we know that that's what they need. But if, as 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 soon as we say, hey, this is what you need, then they're not going to do it. Mm. It's, it's uh, because everybody's focusing on themselves. Everybody is. You know, we're a human beings. So what's in it for me? Mm. So that's my marketing message. I know it's like off tangent a little bit, but, yeah. you know, um, so anyway, even if I know what they need is mindset, I don't, I don't tell them necessarily right away. Hey, you need to change. You need to shift your mindset, but I give them something that can help them like a kind of fast win, quick win first hmm. or so get them really interested in and then kind of resonate with me. Then I slowly add mindset aspect into it um, but again, the doctors coming out of big hospitals or even private practice who are based on insurance, if they want to do their own opt-out of insurance plan, I say basically three simple pillars. So I'm going to, can I reveal this here? Oh
2: yeah, go for it.
1: So three pillars, basically first one is a niche selection, right? So hmm. doctors cannot become successful as a hybrid concierge or out of insurance plan, um, cannot easily be successful if you try to focus too many things. Mm -hmm. So like I'm calling it generalist of specialist. Mm -hmm. So you cannot be, uh, uh, you know, you cannot be successful if you say I provide A to Z. So, you know, I try to help them. Okay. Let's select a few things, only a few things, but you love fixing you. You are passionate about. So niche selection and offer creation, that's one pillar. Um, offer creation meaning if you chose your niche and then you say, let's say Bunyan, hey, I I, I provide Bunyan procedure. You're not going to be successful. You need to create a package around that core service and then provide unforgettable experience for your patients. So it's more experience package um, around that Bunyan procedure, for example. Yep. So that's the first pillar. Second pillar, you need the marketing, not typical branding or generic posting that doctors are familiar with, but they need to learn lead generation marketing, utilizing all this modern technology, Facebook Pixel, Google tags, um, you know, so you can target and retarget, uh, so you can nurture them. Guide. Did you learn that yourself? Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, so. So I run all the Facebook ads and Google ads by myself. No way. Yeah. Funnels, wow. you know, all the lead generation. I use active campaign. I use pretty much all the things that marketers use. Jeez. Yeah. But anyways, so <laughs> that marketing aspect, doctors need to learn at least core principles or foundations so they can delegate and they know what marketers are doing. Yeah. And then the final piece is the um, ethical influencing and persuasion because doctors need to communicate with patients about self-pay, cash pay, and then nine out of 10 doctors don't want to talk about or fear, fearful of talking about money with the patients. So those three pillars, but then I say right in the middle, it governs everything that's mindset. So that mindset Doctor needs to feel comfortable with money. Um, and then also the abundance mindset, you know, the vision board. So those, for me, is, is in the middle of that triangle uh, pillar system. Mm-hmm.
2: I have had some amazing conversations with doctors over the years, both professionally, you know, just business-to-business colleague, as well as, as a patient. And I have probably never heard such a powerful two minutes as I just heard. Uh, thank you, you say. And, and I'm not saying that because I'm looking at you or I'm talking to you right now. I, I, I feel like, I mean, I, I, I have a dear friend who just started a private practice, direct primary care practice here in the area recently. And he's struggling with those very things and yeah. needs to hear that. And then he probably needs to reach out to you and find a way to work with you. But um, But yeah, I mean, that is just, it, it's so important. And what was interesting too was you talked about uh, even like for the patient, giving them what they um, what they want versus what you think they need, and sometimes those are the same things as long as it's just communicated the right way. Like for my doctor again, and you know we're talking podiatry because you are one, and I had a surgery, but you know he he was he was well regarded, and you know I, I had a referral there. But what got me was he told me that he guaranteed, apart from you know some outlying issue, that I could be back running in six weeks. Well,
1: that's what every, what you want, right? Yeah, so, yeah, because
2: yeah. He, he knew <laughs> that I was an athlete and I was into fitness. And, you know, I knew everybody else was in a boot for three months before they even got to get out of their boot. And I thought, like, if this guy's telling the truth, this is my guy. And so, and so he gave me what I wanted all the while he knew what I needed. And so I love that he was, he, he just, he knew how to communicate it and it was in the messaging. So when I hear you say what I, what you said, it's just like, man, this is what, I mean, this isn't just a doctor thing. This is an every business owner thing, but especially yeah. in the world that you're in, because I just don't think doctors know how to do this well.
1: Right. And then, I mean, doctor, it's not impossible, but, you know, for them to figure this out. But again, most doctors right now running out of time. You know, the mm. most invaluable asset that we have time, and it's only one way going in one direction, um, trying to figure this out by themselves, especially a lot of stuff here. You know, most doctors, I train and help them during the coaching call. It's unanimous. A, it's a, it's a, it's a, they say, TJ, I feel like I'm hearing or listening foreign language right now. But then what I say, that's okay, Tim, that's okay, Larry. You know, you gotta keep hearing, even if it sounds foreign to you, that that's how kids learn language, you know, even if it doesn't make sense in the context, in the environment, next time you hear this, I bet you you're gonna you're gonna get like 50% better understanding. And then third time you hear it, you're going to get 80%. Then before you know it, you're going to start implementing them. And that's another big key for me philosophy is that not just not just theory, you got to take action. Mm. So the biggest portion of my coaching program is that I put heavy emphasis on accountability. So I'm basically up in their ass, you know, all the time. I use boxer (laughs) app, I use, you know, they cannot get away from me once, because I want to deliver results. And we are so easy um, to procrastinate, right? So easy to procrastinate. So unless there's a deadline or unless someone's like, you know, really catching up accountable for them, it's very hard to uh, keep focusing it because we it's so easy to make excuses, right? We have yeah. a lot of this thing, that thing. Oh, TJ, I had, this, I had to pick up this kid. Um, I had to go take my mom to the doctor's office. I cannot be on a coaching call. You know, you see this all the time. And unless, so I don't give in easy. That's my personality. Okay, so I'm basically saying, hey, don't give me that shit. You know, that doesn't mean you're not going to do this or not. Yeah. You know, you're going to do it are you? And then I usually kind of ask, they're like, okay, you're right. You know, this is the excuse. It's like lower self, you know, don't, don't put your self-esteem like that, you know? So a lot of doctors, they believe I don't sleep. I don't sleep (laughs) at night. I mean, how can you do all these things, taking care of patients, doing surgeries, and then creating videos, marketing, helping people. I call it time hacking. You know, I, I say, Hey, we all have 24 hours. I need to sleep eight hours a day um, to be productive. So mostly I sleep seven to eight hours every night. Mm. Um, but then I basically, I think I'm good at those. I'm just utilizing my time, maximize the exact same time we all have, mm-hmm. um, and then make it productive. Trying to systemize everything, automate as much as possible, delegate if it's not critical that you have to do it. So those things are part of, you know, coaching program when, when I help doctors to build their own hybrid, more cash based um, uh, private practice without losing any quality of care for Mm -hmm. patients.
2: Yeah. That's so funny. I'm glad you said that because that was going to be the next question I asked, which was how the heck do you do all this when you're seeing Uh. patients and (laughs) generate, you know, try to build your own business and, you know, you're also, you know, coaching so many other doctors. Um, I mean, oh, I-, I think
1: I think the most important thing is you got to have mentors. You know, I, I really believe the in power of mentors because mm-hmm. you cannot do it. Um, again, you can do it, but you're going to waste your time and energy. If someone has proven and if someone has that system, I'd say invest in yourself and take advantage, get the shortcut. And you can always modify and create your own, but you need that first womb of success proven by someone else mentors who believe in yourself then you believe in yourself by yourself you know yeah no
2: that that is so good man so i'm almost afraid to ask this dr on but
1: what's next um you know i continue to help patients um but i'd love to uh i just hate my colleagues suffer and, and go out of business. Hmm. You know, it happens every corner of every city now. Almost every couple of weeks, some surgery center go down, some private practice closed. Hey doctor on or hey TJ, I, I decide to quit. I'm you know I just apply for salaried physician in the hospital. Uh. I hear this every week, every couple of weeks, some kind of stories like that. If I can, you know, utilizing this, uh, the whole modern technology, um, I want to help private practice owners to continue to serve for public health without sacrificing their own finance or their own lifestyle. Mm. And after this, this whole pandemic and, you know, COVID thing going on, actually, it's for me more opportunity for private practice owners because now patients are scared to go to big hospitals, Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. and then like yourself, you said you did surgery at the surgery center, but what I've been preaching is that you can do in-office surgical suite for specialists. Yeah. So save patient money for convenience, but also you can control your own time and schedule. So my, I'm thinking future is bright. I'm going to continue to serve doctors and patients.
2: That's awesome. Well, I mean, so I do business with about a dozen or so doctors right now, which that means I'm going to buy at least that many of that book and ship them to them. And I just feel like every doctor, every doctor should read this book based upon what I've heard today. And then any doctor that is considering going into private practice should be reading this book. So I'm Thank gonna you. figure out a way to get this into everybody's hands because, you know, uh, again, I, I always enjoy having conversations like this uh, on the podcast, getting to know people, learning about what makes them tick. Clearly, you have a very compelling story as to why you have become the person you have and mindset's key to that. But there's something that, I, that really stands out to me about you is, you know, a lot of times people write a book they build the blueprint, they create the funnels, and it's a marketing tactic. And and I understand these are those are all great ways for you to market your practice and to market your coaching programs. It is, but you're proving that it actually works. And that's something that I just don't feel a lot of people have. So I just I, I really appreciate your passion for your practice for for caring for people, but not just your patients, but also caring for fellow doctors. So just thank you so much for that. I mean it's it's just it's awesome to hear.
1: Oh that's so nice of you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for inviting me again. I'm, I had a great time talking to you. I felt like just talking to a friend, you know <laughs> yeah. well, well, maybe we'll become friends. <laughs> yeah, we will. <laughs> By the way, the even the Bunyan surgeon hammer to, I perform what we call minimally invasive surgery. So I learned from masters and what I do now for minimally invasive bunion and hammer toe, my incision is like three millimeter and I don't use uh, fixation. So no screw fixation, no pins or wires. And then patients immediately walk in a boot, but immediate walk uh, weight bearing. And I've done traditional open surgery before, but past several years, that was kind of key momentum too Mm-hmm. different i realized that wow this is so completely different from what i have learned and been trained yeah you know so that's when i realized okay this is the niche and I, so i started focusing on my niche since then it is minimally invasive foot ankle care
2: that's awesome well, if I'd have known that, maybe I'd have flown to Chicago, both because I love the city of Chicago and because I could have had an even less invasive surgery. Thankfully enough, I, I had a pretty good
1: Yeah, reward. you had a great, yeah, yeah. great results and you're yeah. happy and that's great.
2: Yeah, a year later, I still have a big smile on my face. <laughs> okay, so uh, people I know can definitely get in ta- contact with you at your website, which is Dr. TJ. On tjahn.com, so that's a way. How else can people get in contact with you, follow you? You, you talked about social media, so where are you at, and, and how can they follow you?
1: Yeah, um, pretty much everything's like drtjahn, Doctor Tjahn. So my website, okay. drtjahn.com. Um, the Facebook, same thing, slash four slash drtjahn. Instagram DRTJ on. So, you know, once you come to my site and check out some of my webinar replays and, you know, you connect with me. Hey, you know, I came to Ryan James Miller show. I, I, I saw your info. Let me know. You know, I might be able to send you a free copy of my book.
2: Okay. Okay. And and so every once in a while I do this, you guys have heard me do this before. If you are a doctor or you're considering private practice um, and you want a copy of the book, I'm happy to buy one and send it to you as well. And also for any of the insurance brokers that are listening, if you have a private practice doctor that you care about, that you're working with, contracting with, and you want to put this into their hands, hit me up and I'd be happy to provide a copy there too. So I just want to make sure that we get this information out we'll put dr on's contact information into the show notes his social handles as always too so again dr on thank you it was really a pleasure to talk to you
1: oh thank you ryan this is i had a phenomenal time this is great
2: awesome awesome
0: you've been listening to the podiatry profits podcast with dr tj on to find out more about Dr. T.J. Ahn or discover how you can grow your podiatry practice, visit drtjon.com. or you can also get a free copy of Dr. Ahn's selling book, Opt Out, how to take back financial control of your private clinical practice without the hassle of insurance companies. Just go to OptOutBook.com.